1: listen honey listen
0: honey listen honey listen honey listen honey hey everybody i hope you're having a gosh what kind of week can i pray on everybody these days a peaceful week a a week that is at least peaceful in your mind because i know with everything going on in the news and every day waking up to just new unexpected headlines. It's really been hard to be peaceful outside. So the one thing that we can control is how we feel on the inside. For me today, I'm very excited to introduce to you my guest because it came in a, in a time when I actually was projecting to a group of people on a Zoom, how badly I needed some help when it comes to sorting out my thoughts. And I audibly said, gosh, is there, any therapist out there that exists who is Asian American, because I, I don't know of any, and you guys know um, if you follow my YouTube series on Hello Honey, I recently had a therapist who helped Mama Maya and I out greatly, but she was an Asian American. And I'm not saying that only an Asian American can, a therapist can, can help us, but it helps in this context of today's news and with the violent crimes against Asian Americans to have somebody who not only embodies the experience, but also the the knowledge and education that we would need to process this. So when I said this on this Zoom, somebody spoke up immediately and said, you've gotta meet Ivy Kwong. And so of course I went to my Yellow Pages Instagram and I looked up Ivy Kwong's page and Ivy who has joined us today, thank you Ivy for being here on Listen Honey. You are not only an Asian American therapist, You're not only super outspoken and active in self-help, mental health, and also Asian American pride, but you also are a writer, which is a really cool backdrop to your work. So tell me about how these two worlds fuse for you and how how it's helped you out.
1: In terms of my work as a therapist, one of my greatest passions is, is decolonizing the world of mental health. I think that what we learn traditionally in graduate school are these just white Western ways that are practiced by old white men practice on a group of white folks and then expected to apply to everybody, which just isn't the case. And so a lot of my work in that space has been kind of decolonizing the practice of mental health, especially with the folks who I work with. I specialize in Asian American mental health and decolonizing our own minds and how we kind of just see and experience and understand the world and the layers that affect us. And when it comes to being a writer, I think that we all have ways to move our feeling. We talk a lot about how do you process emotions? How do you process feelings? for me, one way of doing that is letting it flow through me and the things that come out for some folks, it's music. For some folks, it's a primal scream. For some folks, it's movement. For me, it's a way for me to transmute my anger, my grief, my sadness, my rage into something that I can put out into the world that is medicine for me and will hopefully be supportive for those who receive it.
0: Wow. Okay. I'm going to unpack some of the things you said. So the first thing I want to say to my listen Hane audience here is this is not a discussion in a chat that's only geared towards Asian Americans. This is my, my podcast, and this subject is something that everybody should listen to. And especially what you just said there, Ivy, when it comes to letting your feelings flow through you. Something very surprising to me, but all the same, but at the same time, very relatable that has come up in this in the last year for me as I've really delved into mental health and therapy. I thought that for coming from my culture of being Asian American, Asian specifically, is we don't flow through your feelings, we don't feel our feelings, we don't process them, we don't accept them. We surge forward and figure out how do you get to work the next day, how do you still make that paycheck happen, how do you still go to school and make your parents proud. And I thought that was an Asian thing. And I'm so thankful for my Listen Honey audience and my and my Hello Honey audience because as I talked about this, the comment feed on so many cultures that relate to this. Black, oh my gosh, Hispanic, I mean, African, Ethiopian, um, Jewish, so many other cultures were like, girl, it's not just you guys. We're not taught in our cultures to feel our feelings either. In fact, the more you do that, the more soft you seem, or the more drama you seem, you know? Mm -hmm. And and, And then not only in cultures is that prevalent, but also, in gender. Mm -hmm. If men are feeling your feelings or calling a family meeting, because guys, you know, I'm a little hurt. I need to talk about something that happened last week. (laughs) There's no man in a household that's going to be still looked at as a man if he calls upon that family meeting. And so let's just dive into that a little bit. When you say feel your feelings, what do you exactly mean? And what is it that you notice all of us out here from no matter what background you are? What, do, what What is the problem? Why don't we do that ourselves?
1: So another one of my specialties is healing codependency. And I define codependency as two of the five ways that we respond to trauma to cope. So most people are familiar with fight, flight, and freeze. So there's danger, fight, flight, freeze. This is how we act and respond when we're feeling threatened. The two types of coping mechanisms that I describe as To pet codependency are fawning and feigning. Fawning is basically extreme people pleasing. Fawning is what you do to make sure that you tend to everyone else's feelings, everyone else's needs, everyone else's whatever they want, whatever they need before yours. So you put all your stuff in the back burner. And I don't know if this sounds familiar to anybody who's listening, but you just have this natural tendency to make sure everyone around you is okay so that you can be okay. And it's a way to keep yourself safe. It's a way that you learn very, very early on. If your parents can't keep you safe because they need something from you emotionally otherwise, then you learn as a very young child to meet their needs, to make sure that you could take care of them, to make Make sure that you're not demanding too much from them so that you can be okay. So that's fawning. Feigning is pretending to be much smaller, much less feeling, much less needy, much less you than you actually are so that you don't draw negative attention to yourself, so that you don't take up too much space. Again, so you can keep yourself safe by staying small. And fawning so, and fainting. Feigning F E I G N feigning. So feigning is like pretending, like pretending to be, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. You're not fine. I don't have any opinions or needs. I I'm, I'm okay. You're not okay. It's pretending to be smaller than you actually are. I have nothing to say you when you do have something to say, Got and it. So it's shrinking and making yourself small so that you don't attract a predator's attention. Or someone who might hurt you or someone who might harm you or someone who might hurt your family, your livelihood, your physical or emotional bodies. It's
0: literally like in the animal world when an animal can camouflage to its settings just to not bring around any attention to itself.
1: Exactly. You become invisible because it keeps you safe.
0: Oh, my God. And then when you said the word invisible, that is the I feel like that's a major word highlighting what the Asian-American experience is now uncovering is that we've been either ignored or we've made ourselves invisible. Wow. I got to tell you though, I've never heard of that before. So codependent Mm -hmm. healing is when your self-work is dependent on people or the situation around you, like, which is not healthy. It needs to be Mm -hmm. dependent on yourself.
1: Codependency is depending on situations, people, everything outside you be okay in order for you to be okay. Healing from codependency is recognizing that at one point you can be okay whether or not someone else is okay. Doesn't mean that you're not compassionate, doesn't mean that you're not kind. It just means that you have boundaries. You know where you end and someone else begins. You know how to say no. You know how to stay true to your North Star about what is in your deepest alignment and integrity.
0: Right. Wow. That's so profound. So when it comes to representation, especially in the mental health world. Obviously, it's important to have different faces and cultural backgrounds in the therapy world, in this, the world of psychology and mental health, so that we can relate and, 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 and find somebody, find somebody to, to, to be able to meet us where we need. That said, is it also important to then only find therapists that are are of your cultural background? Like, is it wrong for me to go to a Black therapist? Or is it, you know, not wrong, but is it not recommended? Like, how does that work when it comes to your your recommendations?
1: One of the most important and most healing dynamics of the therapist-client relationship is feeling like you are seen, feeling like you're deeply understood, feeling like you're deeply known. And it's not guaranteed. For someone who is, if your ethnicity, to automatically be able to see and understand who you are. Everyone has their different perspectives when it comes to their their religion, their socioeconomic background, whatever they can relate to. So, I think it's really important for folks to check in with: Do I feel seen? Do I feel do I feel like I'm trying to help this person understand me? Do I feel like I'm trying to help this person understand so I, I can justify my experience? Do so I feel like I'm doing a lot of work to have them understand me, or am I able to rest in knowing that they get it? And I encourage those who are doing this work to trust in that, trust in your intuition. Do you feel like you're working really hard to get someone to be able to hear you, see you, understand you, help you? Or do you feel like you're able to rest, to be held, to be supported, to be met fully in that space?
0: That's so good, Ivy, That's, that's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I also want to kind of sit in the area of representation for a bit longer when it comes to Asian American representation. So what we're seeing now with not just the Atlanta shooting, shooting, um, but also the uptick of massive hate crime against Asian Americans. And now in all the conversations I have around me, what a lot of the things that I commonly hear is, why all of a sudden is this happening? where have you guys been? And why am I not hearing this from Asian Americans? Like most of the time people are hearing it from social media and maybe the reposting of another person whether they're of Asian descent or not, but it's not from the person themselves, you know? And there's, a, there's so much to be taught when it comes to representation of Asian Americans period in media, representation of women, outside of what we've only been seen as. So what, how do you feel, what is the importance of representation when it comes to just being a bystander of watching how our society moves? And then for us as Asian American women, how do we help that bigger problem? Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? How do we coexist? Because all we know is today, whether it's your Instagram or your movies you watch or your commercials that you buy into, that's one side and then you're a consumer. Or we're also existing and breathing here. What do we do about it? Right.
1: So what's happening, I just want to address what hap- what's happening now is both very old and it's new. Mm. So it's very, very old because history is literally repeating itself. I mean, we first came to this country. There was discrimination, there was Exclusion Act. We were not welcome here. We were othered. We were perpetual foreigners. As long as you look this way, you will never be accepted. I remember when I was 10 years old, my father telling me, "You maybe have been born here, but you'll never be seen as American." And me being 10 years old knowing everything was like, "You're wrong, dad. I was born here. I'm American. I don't I speak, speak English. English. Yes all of those things. And my father looking at me and and just being quiet because he worked in Detroit at General Motors when Vincent Chin was murdered there. He worked in in Detroit, in General Motors, when there was an Asian man who was beat up by two white men who never served any sort of repercussions for the murder and targeted because he was Asian, because of his face, because of the way he looked, because of his eyes, things that we can't help or control because this is how we look. We can't hide how we look. Even over our masks, we can't hide the shape of our eyes, the, the way that our hair falls. And so the thing is, at this point in time, with the pressure cooker of the pandemic, with the way that it has deprived so many people of outlets, with so many people who are experiencing helplessness, anger, rage, confusion, and wanting a target, and hurt people wanting to hurt other people. And who are the easy targets? Asians who don't speak up for themselves, Asians who don't report, Asians who don't say anything because they're used to staying invisible because that's kept them safe, but guess what? It's no longer keeping us safe. And it really never has.
0: I feel, I feel everything that you're pulling up right now when you say those things, because that is something that we've also been taught because I think on the back layer of what your dad was saying, besides you'll never fit in is also don't try to just go, 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 just go with it. And if you're
1: on work hard, do what you need put your head down. Don't cause any trouble. Don't put your head up. Don't draw any attention to yourself. This is how they survived. This is how they survived. And so this is what they taught us to do to survive, but it's not working and now they're hurting. So when identity.
0: it comes to so when it comes to media and how media portrays us and representation, how do you feel that that needs to make a shift? How do we change that? What comes first between the chicken and the egg? Like what how, how does that begin to shift?
1: So right now with the representation of women and specifically Asian women in the media. How have we been portrayed? We've been portrayed as the dragon lady. We've been portrayed as the lotus blossom. We've been portrayed as, as a submissive, as the sex worker, as all of these things that are parts of who we are, but not all of who we are. And we have very few stories that showcase us in just our humanity, as opposed to something that's fetishized, that's exotified, that's something that is, again, continually othered. Instead of the stereotype as, you know, they're, 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 just quiet and they're dutiful and they want to please and they are quiet and they're good. And how dare you be anything other than that? Cause we don't see anything other than that in the media. Mm. And so that's why I'm so grateful to you and your voice and the encouragement of those who are speaking up and taking up space. Mm-hmm. And it's important because we need to see it. We need to have models of it. How do we know it's possible unless we see it?
0: We can't. Right 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 so it's the job it's the onus of us to speak up and to be celebratory to be outspoken to to speak your feelings to feel your feelings even if it's on a frontal level even if it's outside of ourselves and then it's the job of those people who make the decisions to showcase whether it's a director whether it's a network whether it's a production company to have the diversity to have the inclusivity and the voices and the representation so that we're not seen as the monolith that we've been portrayed as
1: for so long. Absolutely. And to trust that there's an audience for that, to trust that people will be interested in not just Asian stories, Asian American stories, just again, us in our full humanity. I mean, people saw that the crazy rich Asians, by the way, we're not all crazy rich Asians. And that drew, that was a huge box office hit. And so, yes, can you center the stories of humans who happen to be Asian, Asian American and to own, and for each of and every one of us to own our stories, the darkness and the light, the struggles and the joy to recognize that we are not only here to portray happy, happiness and perfect lives, that what draws us to each other is our humanity, is our vulnerability, is our shared grief and resilience. And that's how we move forward together. We can't heal unless we're able to see and then hold and walk with each other.
0: Absolutely. And one thing I actually um, talked about on um, our talk show, The Real, was my frustration with the way Hollywood loves to take a stereotype or a marketing angle of something and just beat it to the ground they'll ride it into the sunset and you brought up one of them which is hot right now which is the crazy rich asians crazy rich asians since joy Luck club was the first explosive i mean in 20 years the first explosive portrayal of asians and it was so easy to 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 um to adopt and and feel aspired by because they're rich, they're beautiful, they're skinny, they're perfect. Their drama's fun. And even though they have family drama, they're still so gorgeous, who cares? It kind of actually was a playoff of the Kardashians. I feel like the Kardashians and that luxe look of like a beautiful filtered light and family problems, but everybody's gorgeous. And I'm not saying that's the reality of the Kardashians, but that's what has drawn us to that Kardashian. Um, allure is, is what Crazy Rich Asians was for Asians. And it happened to be in Singapore. It was like a whole exotic thing. Right. Okay. And then now immediately after that, you see this uprise in Asian portrayal in very specific, crazy rich narratives, whether it's Empire, right. Or house of ho and and not saying that these people are are false, but like you said, there's some of us, but they're not all of us. Mm-hmm. And then the two Asian faces I've seen being brought into reality um, markets are that are, are two Asian wives who happen to be in reality shows from the Real Housewives to the wives of medicine are you know, one of those one of those type of shows. I might be getting it wrong, and you guys will tell me um, in the comments. But but basically that, oh great, we crazy rich, this sells. Let's grab every crazy rich. Asian there is to continue telling these story. let's expand on it, let's blow it up, let's put a perfect light on it, let's market the hell out of it, and then what it does is it continues to be damaging on us to be seen like, okay, now these Asians have problems, you guys are rich,
1: what yeah. do you have problems with? Problems, you're not discriminated against, you don't have struggles, when, yes. when one in four living in New York City is Asian.
0: Yes, yes, and that the highest bracket of poverty actually in New York are elderly Asians. Yes, Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And then you can't neglect, you know, things that even when authority like this awful sheriff from the Atlanta shooting who came out to kind of give us the summary of this shooter's um, objective to say he was having a bad day. And, you know, I mean, he did say, yes, he has a sexual addiction and he wanted to remove his temptations. Mm -hmm. The population of Asian-Americans in Atlanta period is four percent. You can't negate that six of the eight victims that were killed executionary style were Asian women. Mm -hmm. Like you, you can't dismiss.
1: He drove out of a suburban neighborhood to go to these Asian spas where he knew there'd be a high percentage of Asian women. And he went in, there are eyewitnesses who reported, he said, I'm going to kill all the Asians. I don't know how much clearer it can get from that it's not a bad day. It's a targeted murder of humans who he dehumanized objectified and saw literally as a temptation, not humans with full lives, full stories, hopes and dreams, but as a temptation to be eliminated. Exactly.
0: And so Ivy, with all that we're now unearthing from sadly a tragedy that has to wake up America to recognize that we exist and wake up our people to recognize that we have work to do. What, is, what are the right steps to do now on a daily basis? There's so many problems when it comes to racism, classism, sexism, fetishism, like there's, there's so much.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and so we, when I say this, I say we, not only as Asian Americans listening to this podcast, but also people of color listening to this podcast, um, people who believe in allyship and standing up for one another. What, what do we do?
1: All right. I'm going to give several tangible options. Okay. And the first thing that I would invite folks to do is to practice being uncomfortable because we have a tendency to want to avoid discomfort. And when we try and avoid discomfort, we turn away just as the security guard closed the door on the woman who was being, who, who was being brutally beaten in New York city we turn away because we're uncomfortable. And so there's this story of this woman who goes into a grocery store and she sees a friend of hers whose partner has recently passed away. And she feels very uncomfortable because she doesn't want to say, she doesn't know what to do, she doesn't know how to react, she doesn't want to say the wrong thing. So she ignores the friend, pretends she doesn't see her, she turns away. And later, the friend saw her and was devastated that she turned away from her and, and and basically asked her why did you turn away and she's like I was uncomfortable she's like you realize that the deepest grief comes from your you're your valuing your own comfort over an attempt at connection and compassion and care
0: valuing your own comfort
1: over the attempt to of- have connection compassion and and to show that you care and healing. Yeah. And healing, you took away the opportunity to heal because you want to value your own comfort to protect that. So first things first, can you start to become more comfortable with, can you start to become more comfortable with discomfort? So if you don't know what the right thing is to say, it's okay if you fail. It's okay if you fail. One of my favorite acronyms for fail is first attempt in learning can we all continue to learn? And can we all commit to practicing learning? And for those who experience shame when they make a mistake, another acronym for shame, should have already mastered everything. How can you know everything without knowing anything? You learn as you do, you learn as your experience. All of us are continuously learning and we will be until our last breath. So can we be committed to having the courage to be uncomfortable, to experience the uncomfortable feelings and to keep trying to better understand, to better do, to better connect, to better show up for ourselves and each other's and all of humanity?
0: Wait, you'll have to excuse me because I'm just picking up some of the gems that you've dropped. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many of them, sorry. <laughs> Take your time, Ivy, you just made so much sense with first let's say practice being uncomfortable, actually get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's, that's a major one. Those gentlemen closing the door on that 65 year old woman who was brutalized. I, I, that hurt, I don't want to say it like in this way but that hurt just as much as seeing this woman getting victimized. (gasps) And that there is a desensitization that's happened because so much of this news is continuing and so much of it, we don't know where to go with it, but, it, but that is the start that actually is in the invitation to do the right thing and lean into it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so once you're and a way to practice that is to actually look in the mirror. Right? Because it starts with you. What are my stereotypes about Asians? Have I ever had a stereotype or a thought about Asian women being more quiet or docile? Or should have I ever, you know, if, if have I ever thought of an Asian woman as being more sexualized or hypersexualized or whatever it happens to be? What are my stereotypes and how did I learn them? And what is actually the most true? And how can I do the work that I need to do to be aware of my own biases, my own stereotypes? Can I ask for feedback from those who are willing to be an honest and loving Mirror for me. Can I get feedback, and can I be open to receiving feedback again, not from a place of defensiveness and shame, but from a place of curiosity, openness, vulnerability, and willingness to continue making mistakes and course correcting and doing better.
0: Yes, that part. Yes, improving and evolving from that. Oh my yeah. god, Ivy, thank you so much. I, I, I not only I, not only do I have a better understanding of. My, my mental processing of what I'm seeing, but I also feel lighter knowing that there is work to do that I can start with here. Yes. And then there's also words that I can help to give my friends and my colleagues on what they can be doing because we're already actually doing the right thing by feeling uncomfortable.
1: That's important yeah. part yeah. of it. Absolutely. And once you feel that discomforts are a really important, beautiful sign and invitation from our bodies to pay attention, what's making you uncomfortable and what needs to change. And sometimes it's, I want to make myself to stop feeling uncomfortable by being comfortable again, or sometimes it's, there's something that I want to address here. And then the next step is how can I use my gifts? How can I use the access that I have in the world? How can I shine my light in the spaces that I can touch in the ways that I uniquely can And that's the next step, whether that's conversations with family members, whether that is speaking up on social media, whether that's talking to your corporation, whether that's using your gifts when it comes to art, to create music, to create poetry, to create whatever it happens to be that you can offer in your unique way.
0: Yeah, and sometimes even everybody remember that just being there to listen and reserve space for somebody else is massive. Great it's massive to just check in and say, "Hi, hey, how are you doing with everything that's going on? How is your family? Like asking specific questions, not how are you doing? Because we're so conditioned to be like, oh, things are great. I've been a little busy, but no. How are you doing with this news? How is your family doing? I, I know that there's been a rise of attacks on Asian-Americans. Like what, how can I help? And just sit and listen. You don't mm-hmm. even have to have answers, but that mm-hmm. is huge. And, and 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 I say this in reverse for us, to other people of color. We all know that the ongoing existing huge um, travesty with our country is the racism against Black lives. Mm-hmm. That that has been going and, and and will never go away. And to me, honestly, my wholehearted belief is until Black lives are seen and heard the way they deserve.
1: None of us will.
0: None of us. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so remember that this is all interconnected and- Our um, liberation. Connected. Standing in solidarity and, and, and being actively anti-racist is not just towards ourselves, but it is actively for our brothers and sisters of um, the Black experience as well. That's I appreciate awesome. this so much from you, Ivy. Can you tell us where we can connect with you? How can, for any of individuals that we want to get more of these gems from you, how do we connect with you on a personal level?
1: Um, it's bear ivy. So bear is my website. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, medium, Facebook at bear ivy, B-A-R-E. And I just want to thank you, Gina, because one of the greatest and most sacred gifts that you can give anybody is the gift of your presence. Mm -hmm. People again, talk about how do you process emotions? How do you heal emotions? One of the most powerful ways of healing from emotions and moving them is to have them witnessed and honored and acknowledged by a caring, non-judgmental, compassionate, fully present audience or witness or community. So if I am able to see you and hear you and be with you in your humanity, not trying to fix you, not trying to change you, not trying to come up with anything to do, but to just be with you, that in and of itself can be one of those powerful healing things because then you are seen, your pain and grief are acknowledged. And that is how we can all support each other in our collective healing.
0: Thank you for reminding me that I definitely know I could be more of that as well outside of my workspace. So I, I, I internally received that from my personal life. I love you, Ivy. Thank you so much, you guys. So I'm going to include all of Ivy's links below. Please do follow her because her fate, her page, if you thought this, you know, this time together was something, um, that was healing or helpful to you follow Ivy's work because you are so active and just giving us so much to be able to take home and, um, work on for ourselves. So I love you for that, Ivy. And guys, if you, um, please do rate and review this episode. It helps me to see, actually, the reason why I have these episodes is because I read a lot of your reviews on Spotify and on iTunes, and I'm able to see exactly how my podcast can help you. And that's what this platform is for. So Ivy, thank you for being a part of that. Thank you, everybody else. And I love you guys. And do follow Ivy's work. And Ivy, take care until I connect with you next. Thank you so
1: much. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have.
0: It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids